it's Roman Reigns and John Cena in the same ring at the same time. How many moments do you two get? Honestly. Because, you know, in life, you're always told that if you work hard, if you chip away, if you plug away, if you do your job, then your moment will come and I am sick of waiting for my moment while two undeserving people like you two get moments week after week after week. I'm curious, Barclays, does Raw need John Cena? You have 18,000 people chanting no. See, this is it. That face, that smirk right there. You turning my moments into a joke while him saying that this is your yard? Well, this is my show, week in and week out. I'm the one working here, not you and not you. I am sick of not getting the respect I deserve. Your shirt says, respect, earn it. I've earned it for 12 damn years. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast, another wrestling podcast. It's called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette, and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself, Josh Custodio. Oh, oh, Justin. Oh, no, I forgot to tell you. What? Oh, this... We look very silly right now. Oh, what? What happened? Yeah, after uh, SummerSlam, I decided to legally change my last name. Yes. Yeah, so my name is now actually Joshua Strowman. Oh. Yeah, after Papa Braun's performance, I couldn't help but think of uh, what the, the biggest way... You know, I felt indebted to the guy. Mm-hmm. I figured I'd change my last name. So maybe you want to redo the intro. You know, the janitor, Joshua Strowman. No, I don't know. I think... I don't know. <laughs> like, Strowman? That's like... Like the man at the end of it, and like <laughs> pronouncing like a min way. That's yeah, like, there's like something like vaguely Jewish about that. Yeah, maybe? shalom in the home, baby. Yeah, so like maybe you're an accountant now. I, I don't look. You're the accountant. <laughs> oh no, Joshua Stroman. Oh wow, they s- <laughs> took a turn for the worse. For the listeners, no, I, I don't. I think Jewish you're, people could be whatever they you're want. The new Scotty Goldman. Oh boy. <laughs> can you think? Of, can you think of that? Like they had Colt Cabana. Yeah, Who, it's not my main. You know, I don't love Colt Cabana. But, but. and like, okay, great wrestler. Uh, but even like he's a a very good wrestler and an elite tier comedy wrestler for sure. So there's definitely a role for him to play, and a, maybe even a great personality, like a guy you could look into transferring into a commentary at the tail end. And yeah. Wow, this show is off to a. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know. If those, were those anti-Semitic remarks yeah. that I made off the hop there? I'm gonna say after we came out swinging hard against Nazis last week. Yeah, now I've really let myself down. Are you trying to win back the white supremacist fan base? <laughs> yeah, with that? yeah. Is that? Yeah, it's like Trump. I'm going off script. <laughs> right. 
afterwards to try and appease both sides. That is like Trump. Except, uh, no, I'm not doing that at all. I still think Nazi punks can fuck off. Yeah. Uh, but Josh is now the accountant. Josh Stroman. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is, I, well, I'm happy to have a new gimmick. I'm sad to lose the, the line of it's time to take out the trash. Braun would have been the accountant, but he's like too burly to be believable. <laughs> I feel like you could pull it off. But you have a new catchphrase also. Oh, go ahead. Because we're we're going to disregard. It's time to take out the trash. Oh, no, and, I liked it. But, but this new gimmick and catchphrase is like equally violent because you're going to say, it's time to crunch the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> There's no numbers oh. game. Yeah, your gimmick is sort of like Braun. A little bit. And that you're just winning handicap matches where the handicap advantage is tilted against you. The yeah. numbers game oh, never works yes! against yes! you. Because you crunch the numbers every time. No matter what. So, like, handicap match could maybe even be, like, my signature match. Exactly. But you're, always... you're just fighting local talent almost every single time. Right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 Uh, unfortunately. I wonder like, who... Maybe someday, like, after a year or so, we'll, like, slide you into a <laughs> top-level program. First against, like, Sami Zayn, probably. Yeah, Sami Zayn. And then, like, once you destroy him, like, maybe... Maybe you're ready to move on to Roman Reigns. Ah, uh, Roman wouldn't... Anyway, listen, Justin, I was telling you before we started recording that last week was the first time since recording this podcast our listener numbers went down. It's probably because of bullshit like this, now that I think about it. It's probably because... There was way too much wrestling shit this week yeah. that people didn't need us to help fill the time between shows. Because that's what we're here for. Didn't mean it didn't break my heart. You know, there's when you're not watching shows, you're still thinking about wrestling, and you're like, hmm, how can I occupy my time in a way that I do not feel crushingly depressed by the <laughs> banality of life? And that's where we step in. But yeah. unfortunately, there were so many wrestling shows this past weekend that the folks just didn't need us in that way. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's unfortunate <laughs> either way, honestly. Whatever the excuse is, I think it's bad. But, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully we see a big rebound here and this will have a big pod feel. Yeah, maybe my beg segment at the end will be more desperate <laughs> than ever. Uh, for those of you maybe, who... Uh -oh. Maybe, uh, despite the fact that several people have written in to say they love the segment, maybe the audience at large actually hates Drummer Slam. Okay, no Drummer and Slam this week. that's been the problem. No so Drummer as Slam. as a result, yes, we're making a firm commitment that there will be no Drummer Slam whatsoever this week, and that is not because you didn't have band practice last nope. night. but because Unrelated. This is a business decision. Yep. It's come from Top Marks uh, <laughs> Incorporated. Uh, I feel like that's gimmick infringement. I Moving on. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who may be listening for the first time, thank you for joining us. Uh, the format of this show is as such. Justin and I will talk about the three biggest topics in the world of wrestling each week for no longer than... 15 minutes, the exact length of a WCW television title match. And at the end of those 15 minutes... The uh, buzzer sounds, and if we do not have a result, it's over. It's, it's a, a draw. draw. It's we move draw. on. That's right. It's just a yeah. draw. Um, Josh, I think every single segment in the entire history of this show has been a draw. Yeah, it We've has. We've actually <laughs> never decided a winner. Yeah. So the the television title has never been successfully defended. Or it's Either never one. been won. It's never been lost. Okay. It's an open title. And maybe when we're finally done doing this show, 
however many years this runs for, <laughs> will put it up to the audience and they will decide. Well, they all like you better. Who is so no. The top marks television champion. <laughs> Every bit of hate tweet we get is about one of my opinions. So no, I don't. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, and speaking of executive decisions uh, in creating changes in the podcast, can I ask you, and yeah. I realize this is probably a conversation we should have off the no, air. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to do it on the air because I like embarrassing you. Here we go. Because uh, I don't get to do that to my other hosts on my other podcast. <laughs> okay. I take all the abuse. So I'm your whipping yeah, boy. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, I'm nervous. Can you please start signing your tweets when you tweet out on the Top Marks account? Oh, yeah, sure. So that people don't think that your trash opinions are mine. Yeah, that seems fair. Because I don't yeah. want the folks at home to yeah. think that I hate Bobby Roode. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. Um, Guys, from here on <laughs> forward, if it's a tuned in Great opinion. Assume it's Justin. And if, and if it's, it's a, some boob who's probably stoned on his couch saying... If it's a photo of a television, or if there's grammatical problems or syntax errors, or he uses the wrong iteration of it Hey, hang or on there, a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying that you can't write. You can. I'm just assuming that you're probably high most of the time <laughs> you tweet from our account. <laughs> First of all, not true. Secondly, I, I think I have tremendous syntax and grammar. Well... That seems. Uh, I'm gonna say I have the better. What, that's not what the dirt sheets are saying, bud. But I would say I have the better grammar of the two of us. I've seen a couple of your tweets. Where, listen, you sign your tweets too. Asshole. All right, How's sure, that? fine, All right. I will. Let's get into this. I made a mistake the earlier. I I said that Grand Metalik had never been on Raw. He'd been on Raw the day before, and I didn't know that. You know why I didn't know that, Josh? Why is that? Because I've become what I hate in the world of wrestling podcasts, and I hate to admit this, but I would rather be a man and own it rather than pretend that this wasn't the case. We talked earlier about how there was so much wrestling this weekend. In fact, I'm going to say too much. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't keep up with it, Josh. Sure. I did not watch Raw this week for like the first week in maybe two years or wow. so. Wow, it was a good one. Um, I'm sure it was. I would love to go back and watch it. Maybe some highlights. Maybe I'll just catch up with it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good way to do it. Sitting through the three-hour program. But uh, I didn't see it. And yeah. I didn't see the first two matches of uh, NXT TakeOver either. Holy cow. Uh, so there are some things this weekend that evaded my my uh, all-seeing eye, unfortunately. Well, don't but worry. But I'd rather admit that than yeah. us talk about TakeOver or talk about Raw and be like, oh, yeah, that uh, Aleister black Hideo Atami match <laughs> was... Uh, a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> I thought it was just great. No, I really I liked when uh, he kicked him. <laughs> I, I love both those guys. Yeah. I want to see the match. I just came home and the show was already in progress. Yeah. And afterwards, I thought, oh, I'll watch it again as it restarts on the network immediately afterwards. But it was the pre-show instead. Okay. And I fell asleep. Well, fear not, <laughs> listeners, because I, the man who apparently can't write, can't type, has bad opinions, did take all of this and will bring you my salient takes. That's so, why you're here to do the heavy lifting. As like always. always, baby. So in this week, the three rounds we're going to talk, Justin, uh, in the first round, we're going to review SummerSlam, which we did watch together yes. this week. Yes. yes, and I did see all of that. Yeah, I was there. I watched you watch it. Yeah, uh, so it's weird that you didn't watch the screen at all. Yeah. It just took in my reactions yeah. to everything as it happened. So this round is going to be about your reactions to SummerSlam, which I didn't watch. Yeah, I watched yeah. you watch yeah, yeah. SummerSlam. You loved my facial reactions, and, like That's everything right. that happened. Exactly uh, correct. I have a very giddy expression when cool things happen, you and you thrilled. were like, oh, I got 
got to take this in. Unbelievable. Yes. In round two, uh, we're going to review NXT TakeOver, which you missed a couple matches of. I saw them all, thought the world of this show, and we got a little more into it. I still have a lot to say about it just based on the three matches that I did see, so I'm very excited. Awesome. Looking forward to this. In between rounds two and three, we're going to have an enthralling episode of Sunday Night Tweet, and then that'll lead us into round three, which uh, we're going to talk about, I think it's our first repeat round ever. If I'm not wrong, we're going to talk about Enzo Amore. There's just too much around this guy right now to not talk about him. And I feel like, yeah, this might be the first time that we've ever. I feel Samoa Joe comes up a lot. He does, yeah. But uh, this is, you know, it's never like explicitly been the Samoa Joe round, right? Twice in a row. Whereas, you know, yeah, there's a lot going on with Enzo Amore. There's a lot maybe that shouldn't go on with Enzo Amore. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, But let's start things off. Dive right into it. Why not? With round number one. Round one. Fight. <laughs> Justin, it's it's a, a known fact at this point that you and I are very good friends. Do you agree? I mean, it's yes, been thoroughly established in kayfabe. But at some point, I still got I still got to get to know you better, and sometimes that has to happen on the air. So I'm going to fire up this round with a, a question about Shoot. you. Shoot. What's your favorite season? Mm. Of the four, probably autumn. What? Yeah. Do you mean fall? Yeah, sure. Autumn. Uh, two different names. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about oh. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Are you sure it isn't summer? That would really help me no, segue September's better. probably my favorite month. But you know what? Technically, Most just- of September is part of the summer. So-, so I guess I actually have to change my vote to summer. Beautiful, Justin, because on Sunday, do you know what we did? We slammed. We watched summer <laughs> slam. And, uh, and we got slammed while we watched it. That is true also. Yes. Uh, the, the cold beer was flowing there at 12 Kings. Mm-hmm. Thanks for a, hosting. They always have a great time there. They had a special shot for the yeah, occasion the as well. The Maharaja, which was green. And it was very fitting for Jinder Mahal because it went down extremely bitter. But I told everyone that I liked it anyways. That is a perfect analogy. <laughs> uh, Justin, I, I didn't really like SummerSlam this year. What, what were some of your thoughts as a whole? You know what is funny is that I think the folks like us who are around week to week and and watch the television all the time just get exhausted by how much we take in. And then when we get to these big weekends where it's four shows in four days and it's a lot, like I said, it was too much for me this year. I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't take it. Um, But, uh, you know, for us, we watch a show like that and think, God, so many low points, so many lulls, so many bad matches, but some genuine high stuff Definitely. as well that redeemed the show overall. It's funny, the people that I talk to who are like the most casual of casual fans who yeah. only watch pay-per-views or maybe only watch the big four pay-per-views right. every year thought the show was amazing. Really? thought the show was spectacular. My buddy Spencer was texting me all night long just being like, holy fuck, that was so rad. Wrestling is so rad. And in fact, Stefan Heck, my co-host on Real Good Show, That's right. had yeah, yeah. never watched a wrestling pay-per-view in his life, and he loved the whole thing. I think we really have to have him on the show and talk about... His, like, entry. Yeah, somebody, a friend of ours is getting into wrestling right now. It started with NXT TakeOver. He did watch that, and yeah. then he watched SummerSlam as well. He loved both of them. So, Interesting. You know, I, I it's, it's one of those things where, like, the deeper you get into it, the more... Uh, you wade into these waters, the more bored of it you become and the more, like, <laughs> critical you are of things that, like, 
otherwise don't bother you. No question. Because casuals can pop in and just be like, man, this is so rad. And we're just like, yeah, but if I had the book, it would be different. <laughs> I know best. <laughs> um, well, okay, Justin. Yeah, like, can you imagine <laughs> if we got together and we're like, fantasy booking for an hour and 20 minutes every single week? What a bunch of idiots who would do uh, that. Who would do that? <laughs> Justin, like you, I thought the show was inconsistent. There were some real high marks. Let, let's start with uh, the opposite. Rusev deserves better. Yes. Uh, for those of you who may not have seen, Rusev was in the definition of a squash match against Randy Orton. He came out, hit the RKO, and the match was over. Well, Rusev like jumped him before the match started, yep. but as soon as the bell rang, it was an RKO one two three. And I tweeted from the show account, and you could tell it was my tweet because the grammar was perfect. <laughs> that that was the match that the build to that match deserved, but it was not the match that Rusev deserves. Okay. And I don't know what he did to piss someone off backstage. Oh, I know what he did. He got engaged and also got a haircut one time. What a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, but the guy's great. He's wonderful. He's an excellent heel. And he's just like one of the most gifted people at uh, comedic timing yeah. that they have on the roster as well. I think he is like, I mean, you could say that about a lot of people, though, especially on the SmackDown side. There are some very underutilized talents. Sami Zayn didn't even get on I the know. show. Barely even got on SmackDown. Insanity. So, Insanity. Um, yeah, that match was. Uh, why even have that? Like, I, I do you really think that you need to rehabilitate Randy Orton to such an extent after that Jinder Mahal feud that he needs to go around squashing guys when you don't even really have that many heels on SmackDown in the first place, and you're gonna run them down to build up Randy Orton? No, the answer is obviously no to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, it seems like a lost cause. But but rather than being, I don't want to focus too much on the negative because, let's say this, what was your favorite match of the night? Uh, the main event. I okay. don't think you can really choose anything else because in terms of pure spectacle, that delivered everything that it promised. It Holy was shit. a very tantalizing and incredible match right from the outset. As soon as it was announced, it looked like, oh my God, one of the great Haas battles of history. Four big, beefy boys just getting set to Chuck destroy each other. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. It was a short match, but it was extremely high intensity. The first seven minutes was just like one high spot after a Another derby. Fucking unbelievable. Yep. And yeah, there's no way that you could leave that show and be disappointed by what you saw just because the final taste in your mouth was so excellent. I do love when that happens. Although I don't share the opinion that the main event was the best, I do love when a show goes out on a gangbusters main event. It helps me feel so much better about the entire event. Uh, while, while that was... A, a tremendous match, and I think there's only two argument. other options that you can choose here. Both the tag matches, yeah, both tag <laughs> matches, because whole brothers tag team wrestling back in a big way. I was even I, without the revival on this card. Tag team wrestling was fucking rad. Just this you wait weekend. till the top guys are back. For myself, the match of the night handedly was the New Day versus the Usos on the pre-show. I, I can't. I don't know if it's one of my matches of the year. Maybe a little early to say. I, I saw a lot on Twitter of people saying this is the best thing that's ever been on a network pre-show. And, and frankly, I find it hard to disagree with yeah, that. Yeah, it's definitely because uh, what was it even doing on the pre-show anyway? Good Lord, I don't know. I the felt last so year. bad for Miz. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, th that's the first empty arena match since halftime heat. No kidding. Like, brutal. Uh, like, did, did you see, at one point, after he pinned Jordan, he rolls to the outside to lift his belt to the, to the crowd and the only person in the audience 
is the WWE's like hired social media guy who's like clearly an employee and is filming him on a camera and not like even looking like he's having fun. No, I'm sure that he is. And he's the only person there. It was miserable. It's almost like seven hours is way too long. And also, it seemed like the Barclays Center really fucked things up in terms of when they allowed I heard that. Build in. I'd like to touch on the ending of the Ambrose Rollins versus uh, Sheamus Cesaro Excellent match. finish. Spectacular. I mean, the last two minutes of that match, roughly, were... I think the big the bar was the most alive for that, and I think personally that was my single biggest pop of the night, including Braun just destroying Brock Lesnar. I mean, when was the last time we saw Brock Lesnar sell like that? Uh, probably the Royal Rumble triple threat with Cena and Rollins. If even that. I, I, I'm not it even... felt like they were taking a page from that playbook. Definitely. And with just him like leaving destroying on the him and yeah, hauling him out. Yeah, I've, that was mostly why it wasn't my match of the night, to pick the exact same Yeah, spot. because the first time it happened, it was believable. Yeah. Like, as like, holy fuck, he is actually legit injured. Right, whereas this time I did not buy. I not knew for one he second. would come back yeah. and, and charge in. Uh, but but going through the two tables for Braun, having Braun throw a table on him, and him not being able to knock over Braun with that clothesline, these are all things where it's the real value to somebody like Lesnar. What you protect somebody for so long that they don't have to take pins to get guys over, they don't have to look terrible to get guys over. He just has to start selling because you don't see it. And often. can we also put it to bed once and for all that like anything was lost or tarnished in any way by having him lose? To Goldberg? Um, I, I'm not willing to, to go there yet. I don't think we have lost out on anything. I don't think he's lost any shine. He is still just as special as he ever was. And he, like I've said it on this show before, Goldberg is in like the god tier. So anybody that eventually beats Brock is going to be equal to him. I hope that that's true. I currently would take it to the other side of the coin where no one else on the roster can, re besides Braun, even get offense in on Brock, and Goldberg managed to pin him in 90 seconds. That seems out of whack with me to give a guy who wrestled three times, like, tears hey, above everybody Goldberg else. Goldberg beat Kevin Owens in, like, eight seconds. Yeah, There's nothing that sucked, he can't too. Do. Yeah, that true. sucked, too. That really too. was terrible. <laughs> I don't know why he'd go to that. That, that should have happened. Yeah, that, that was an absolute <laughs> disaster. Uh, Justin, let's briefly touch, talk, touch base, if I could speak, excuse me, about Corbin versus Cena. Yeah, that was a big one that I got wrong. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I said last week that the janitor might need to come and take out the trash, <laughs> clean up the mess that I made with my predictions. And uh, unfortunately, the janitor's not here anymore, but the yeah. accountant I'll count is it as available a loss, though. to uh, do the you know number crunching here. And yeah, tell me that ultimately I think my predictions were more right than they were wrong. I think but that's true. Oh boy, was I ever wrong on Corbin Cena. Yeah, and can I tell you that John Cena pissed me off in this match? Uh, in what way? He did not seem, he seemed to be making it sort of a joke. He did this on Raw on Monday too, where he was being kind of goofy in the match. And it, I like don't he was like, like it. playing to the crowd. I did not take it that way, although I'm glad that it didn't maybe come across to you as it did to me, where I was like, he does not think Baron Corbin is a threat whatsoever. I mean, a little bit it did seem like that, too. Uh, that's really how it came across I'm, I'm toying with you, boy. That's right. And then when uh, they were cheer chanting, let's go Cena, Cena sucks, he mouths to Corbin very obviously, they don't even care about you. Yeah. I just didn't understand this. Uh, apparently, like, you know, we talked last week about uh, how there's some... Uh, 
like heat yeah, on Baron sure. Corbin that might not entirely be deserved. And I personally didn't even believe it because like I still don't. The guy is was getting a monster push, but I don't think we've ever really seen, or I haven't anyways, the company just so thoroughly pull the plug on someone right before our eyes before. Well, I don't know. I felt like they kind of rehabbed him on SmackDown last night. Yeah? Yeah, I thought so. Putting him in the main event as a referee role made him look dominant over both guys. I don't know. I thought... uh... But, like, he got clowned by Cena... Like, was pinned by one AA, which everyone kicks out of the first AA. That's true. Uh, like, everybody. And I, one of the reasons that I really thought he would win the match is that in all of their previous television matches, it seemed like they were really protecting Corbin's, like, signature and finisher yeah. spots in that he never got to hit the Moncina. And, oh, boy, if he just hit Big Match John with that one deep six, things would be so different. That'll lead into the and end of days, and yeah, it's all over. Yeah, and he did hit him with the deep six. I don't know that he actually got the end of days in the match. but uh, I don't remember. I don't think but he But Cena did, kicked out of the deep six, and, like, he, he hit the protected spots, and Cena kicked out of them because that's what Cena does. Well, I mean, he's never pinned anybody with the deep six. That's true. That's true. That's true. But 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 they, your point stands. They had didn't clearly been avoiding using those spots in their previous matches because they didn't like they left that story option open. Yeah, this whole last week for Baron Corbin, I imagine, was shitty to live through. Yeah, and from the external, like you say, it seemed like a very blatant pulling of the plug or a D push or whatever you want to call it. And now he's been replaced on the show probably by Bobby Roode, basically. Glorious. Yeah. Uh, what do we think of that, uh, Glorious Bobby? Man, we can talk about that in the takeover Yeah, we'll save round. that. Save that for a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Nakamura and Jinder, because holy shit, that sucks. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was worse Maybe than that. Maybe my expectations for a Jinder match are just like so low that I'm always pleasantly surprised that I actually enjoy it. Okay. And we've talked before about uh, there's not really a dearth of guys on the roster who can take the Kinshasa and make it look devastating. Yep. Dolph Ziggler, top of the list. Yep. But then right behind him, I agree. the Singh brothers. Yeah. I it was fucking agree. awesome. That moment was good. <laughs> uh, him kicking the shit out of them on SmackDown yesterday was also fun. I, I don't know what it's going to take. I think they need to race to Nakamura Styles here in time for Survivor Series because Nakamura needs to prove that he, he can get it done in ring. No, I th- I, what I think... I don't know, and I've said this to you before. I'm pretty sure they're going to stretch out this Nakamura-Jinder feud for another two months or so. Eventually, Nak will be the guy who takes the belt off of him and then holds it for quite a while until AJ loses the U.S. title and then perhaps wins the Royal Rumble. So I don't know if that's a bad prediction. I'm just saying I need to see a good Nakamura match. I think we quickly. might not see it until WrestleMania, Nakamura and AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Because if that is your big money match on the SmackDown side, and personally I think it is, you'd be stupid to waste it before then. But as we saw on Raw this week, or you saw and I didn't, <laughs> they're clearly in no... Uh, you know, they're very—they're in a big hurry to get to John Cena and Roman Reigns, and that seems very silly. And to that me. I am into. Uh, Justin, I thought both the women's matches on this show were good. I what thought the SmackDown think? one was better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, overall, just because both of those women have, uh, you know, I'd say Sasha is probably the best worker of the four ladies yep. total, but the work rate, like, comparison between Naomi and... And Natalia is closer than Sasha and Alexa. And I really like Alexa Bliss, so I don't mean that to sound like a slight. No, purely in ring. Yeah, exactly. Um, I so predicted on the show last week that this would probably be Naomi's best match. I think it unquestionably was. Yeah, I definitely think so. But the title swap was very surprising. I was to me. surprised. I was also very surprised that the Usos won that tag match as well. It just seemed like title changes for the sake of title changes, so that uh, you know the the Raw tag team titles. 
was but, not like the only thing that happened on the show. I actually thought Usos would be likely because there's more babyface teams in the wings right now. Fair. But I was blown away by Natalia winning. I, I didn't really understand that. But I guess now there are more babyface in the wing. They can get to Charlotte Natalia, which is a tremendous match. We yeah, did it before it was great. Uh, we saw. I saw it at the house show, in fact, in Vancouver back in June, and it was excellent. Nice. So I do think that that is probably the program that they're headed to, and it will be really good. And honestly, I really like Natalia. I think she's great in the ring. Yeah. I think she plays her character extremely well. Yeah. As sometimes well. it can be easy to forget about Natty. But Very underrated, always- and the fact that she hasn't had a belt in six years is. Insane. It is pure. But uh, the worst match on the show was one that we'll talk about later when we talk about Enzo Amore because <laughs> that's 15 minutes. What a 15 minutes it was. And of course, Josh, there is no drummer slam this week, which is where this would usually happen. Yeah, for Be- the numbers yeah. we had to not. Because of corporate. Yeah, yeah. 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 Corporate know. interests have yeah. gotten in. Uh, that's it's actually the same company who's trying to sell your base. Oh shit! I forgot to read the ad yeah. at the top of the show. Well, we can do that here. Okay. Because uh, yes, they said no. Yeah. Uh, no drummer slam this week, but you absolutely must try and sell that base. Sorry. Yeah, I'll use this segment for uh, a quick word for our our sponsors, uh, the company that's trying to sell a uh, bass guitar. Uh, I don't, yeah, I guess I could. It is mine. Yeah. But it's certainly not me who's buying advertising on this show. Th- that it's custodian international. Ah uh, no, it's somebody uh, you wouldn't know him. <laughs> it's a totally different person. So here I'm gonna read the ad copy uh that, that uh I wrote. Or they wrote. Uh <laughs> <fine>. Okay. <laughs> Are you musically inclined? Are you not musically inclined? Either way, you could probably play the bass. <laughs> Why not do it on an early to mid-2000s Epiphone Thunderbird? Do you have rhythm? Do you not have any rhythm whatsoever? It doesn't matter what rhythm you have. The bass is the instrument for you. Uh, so whether you have hands or just feet, come try out a mid-2000s Epiphone Thunderbird. Have you ever looked at a real guitar and thought, man, too many strings? J- Justin, I have to be serious with you here for a second. You keep riffing over the ad copy. <laughs> and they're gonna be pissed. Oh, like yeah. they don't. They gave me specifics. It's true. I just thought it's be, it's about guitars. I, like I should be able to riff. I, I I'm yeah. just saying they they are paying but us like on brand they're, to riff on a guitar. I just that was my <laughs> that's all that's all I'm saying. Just, will you just let me finish it okay, as for fine. Fuck God, <clears throat> whatever. Do you have hands or maybe just anyway? It's a mid 2000s Epiphone Thunderbird. If you use promo code Top Marks. It'll be the exact same price <laughs> as just tweeting me. But we'll know that you listened. I should probably put a picture of this hearts. thing up. We're going to love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's what they wrote. Yeah, all right. Um, and we'll go from there into round <laughs> number two. Round two. Fight. <laughs> well, Justin, since you uh, missed two of the matches, I guess it's time for me to... Take over this round. Mm-hmm, I guess so. Let's talk about let's talk about takeovers as a whole, right out the gate. Explain to me, Justin Morissette, how these things just always seem to deliver. Um, I think that there's something to be said for uh for what, why they succeed where WWE pay per views don't. Go ahead. Uh, and I I thought I might save this for a little bit later in the round when we talked about the finish of the show, but uh. I thought it was kind of, like, if you look at what happened on SummerSlam as a whole, we got some good matches, a couple of them. We went off the air with a great one, but we didn't really go off the air with, like, an indelible image. There was no angles set up Mm. on the show at all by anything. It was just like, 
hey, here's some feuds we set up over the last four weeks. Now they're over. Now they're going to have matches? Yeah. Tune in tomorrow, and maybe we'll set up a different thing, or maybe we won't. Who knows? <laughs> I think There's no reason for you to really want to tune in at the end of SummerSlam other than being like, oh, my goodness, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar are super awesome. And they are. And they are, and that is a draw. Don't get me wrong. But I do feel like... TakeOver always manages to end on its biggest story note mm. so that no matter what happens throughout the show, what you are left with at the end is oftentimes the best match, but maybe not. Maybe not. Oftentimes uh, it might be the tag match that is in the undercard that takes that distinction, but sometimes the tag match is in the main event, like the one we saw before this most yeah, recent Yeah, the Chicago takeover. NXT. Uh, exactly, because that is the biggest story note that you can end on. I think that's interesting. Because every time a takeover goes off the air, not only are you so amazed by what you saw, but you cannot wait to see what happens next. And that what happens NXT. Yes. And that is not something that you can really say about WWE pay-per-view finishes. Like, Certainly not. At all. No. Ever. That's, I think, a very, very good point. Yeah, you touched on it, so let's start at the top. Uh, Drew McIntyre faces uh, Bobby Roode for his NXT title. What did you think of this match? Uh, I really enjoyed the finish of it. Yep. Uh, I thought as soon as they started to get into like, the chain of reversals that sort of led to the very ending uh, of... Both guys going for their finisher, but like weaseling out of it and reversing and reversing and reversing. I got super into that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, you know, both guys are not, uh, you know, they don't have a style that really draws me in overall. But I wouldn't go so far as to say that I think Bobby Roode is like a bad worker. I think he's actually exactly the kind of work rate that WWE loves. Hang on, it sounds like maybe you don't really like Bobby Roode. No, I do like Bobby Roode. Wow. Uh, and I really liked the end of this match, and I have really liked some of his matches, especially with Shinsuke Nakamura in the past. Wow, I didn't like well. those at all. Yeah, see, we have some disagreements right yep. here, and I try not to bring them up because I don't want you to make you feel bad about your shitty opinions. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's because I'm a good friend. Yeah, you're a really I nice person. I never bury you in public about how bad and stupid all of your takes are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate that, Justin. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad you're not doing this in public. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And don't even do it in private. We just don't even talk about these things. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just live in a world where I think I have the best exactly. opinion. Exactly. And I let you think that because I'm so nice. Wow, my God. <laughs> okay, so you have Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre doing their damn thing, and at the end of the match, which Drew McIntyre wins, uh, I thought the finish was very cool. The McIntyre's sort of running drop kick always looks great. In comes Adam Cole, flanked by Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Well, first in comes Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Right, And they had previously interfered at the end of the tag match earlier, which was in itself awesome. I think that might have been my match of the night. Yeah. I just mean, I'm talking specifically about them interfering Oh, at the sure. End, okay, yeah. Because uh, that was super rad. But then they come out again, and it's like, oh, God, these guys are not just here to dominate the NXT tag division. They are here to wreck NXT in its totality. Like Attitude Era Kane. Exactly. Just showing up to, to destroy. Exactly. And then they are joined by Adam Cole, who comes out of the crowd and uh, joins in on their beatdown. Uh, and it was incredible. Okay, I got to say a couple things here. Uh, I'll say out the gate that uh, I don't understand Adam Cole. He's been a man who's been beloved by many people in our social circle on the internet for a very long time. 
I don't share this love. I, I think he's very charismatic and has a good look. I've never seen a match as I was blown away with. Listeners, if you have something that you think I need to see of Adam Cole, please send it to me uh, at Top Marks Pod or Josh C with a zero. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't really get the Adam Cole thing. But I do need to say Kyle O'Reilly, despite and maybe we're biased because he's a Vancouver boy. He does walk a little strange. He has a weird thing about him. But in terms of in-ring style, he might be like the distilled version of what I like in a wrestler in ring. Oh, I uh, I saw him wrestle El Fantasmo. Yeah, so did I. And win the ECCW title back in January, and the match was incredible. Uh, I can't get enough of Kyle O'Reilly, so if this leads to a, a bigger spotlight for him... I don't know if I've said this on this show before, or maybe I said it on Real Good, but that match, that moment... Two of Vancouver's best boys going head-to-head in the ring at the Commodore for the ECCW world title, El Fantasmo and Kyle O'Reilly, made my heart swell and just feel like the most sports pride in Vancouver as a city as I have in, like, a decade. I love that. Since, like, the 2011 Stanley Cup playoffs. That's the same sort of, like, civic sports pride that I got from watching those boys go. It's uh, worth noting that Phantasmo just got booked on uh, Shikara's next pay-per-view, yeah. so congrats to him. And I think he's been working with Revolution Pro yeah, quite a bit two over Rev there Pro matches in as the well, UK, which is, so, is tremendous. So, uh, yeah, but, making uh, a name for himself. Let's steer back here into to TakeOver. Absolutely. So are, are Sorry you, about that. No, no problem. Are, are, you, are you interested in where they go with this new faction that I saw the name Dishonored bandied about, which is a tremendous play on Ring of Honor, but are you into this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you want to... In a, in a, like, I told Stefan, after he was finished watching it, that... Like, like, it seemed like the perfect takeover to hop on, yes, on yes. as someone who's a new viewer because everything that happened in terms of those post-match beatdowns with the Dishonored or whatever they're going to be called eventually uh, felt like the biggest thing that's happened on a takeover since Kevin Owens attacked Sami Zayn at, oh. the, at the end of Zayn Neville. Yeah. And honestly, that was my first takeover. And I became addicted to NXT at that point. And I could easily see a brand new viewer, just like me back then, getting addicted off that finish just like I did. I can definitely say the next episode of NXT, this week's is just whatever they did on the pre-shows for SummerSlam, but the the next batch of new episodes is as excited as I've been for NXT ever. I'm thrilled to to get a little bit more back into this. Because right now I feel like... You know, we've talked before multiple times about NXT, like, slipping into a bit of a lull. Yeah. And, and it's always like, oh, like, they they seem so close to getting out of it because, like, the roster is so talented. But the top-end stars aren't really there in sure. the same way that I they think were Rude during. Was, I think Rude stagnated it, if the, I'm being honest. The Owens era of NXT? Even before that, Neville and Zayn? Yeah. The, the, don't sleep on the Neville era, either. That, it's tremendous some NXT. Uh, you touched but, on it. I want to talk about the authors of Pain and Sanity. But I feel match. like we are getting back to that golden age. I feel that Because way too. I do feel like no matter what they do with those Ring of Honor guys, like, and I don't really know Adam Cole that well, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, because I don't really watch Ring of Honor. Right. Uh, but, like, I feel like there is a tremendous amount of charisma there. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that there's probably a good amount of talent as well. Though I know you're a guy who's like, show me the matches. Show where, me the matches. Where's the results? Where's, I want to see me the, the facts. skill. I yeah. deal in facts. Yeah. I'm uh, like Bill O'Reilly. Tide comes in, time cuts out. <laughs> you can't explain that. I'm just, I'm tantalized right now in a way that I have not been by NXT in a very long time. And I'm very excited to watch the television again, which I have not been doing for the last couple months, if I'm being honest. And what I feel this way after so many takeovers, and I think, again, that speaks to it. 
I, you touched on it. Let's talk about Authors of Pain and Sanity. Yeah. Two heel tag teams going at it for the NXT title, which I think is somewhat noteworthy. Authors of Pain with some dope gear entering in with that sort of gas mask. I don't know what you would call those. They look sort of like flavor from Fallout. But uh, yeah. I, I thought this match, and in particular Alexander Wolf of Sanity in this match, were, were just outstanding. What did you think? Uh, I think Alexander Wolf really made a name for himself. Yeah. Quite literally, even. Yeah. Because oftentimes when we talk about Sanity, it's Eric Young, Killian Dane, Nikki, <laughs> Nikki Cross, and, small and the Josh, other guy. And small Josh Barnett. That other guy. You know, whatever his fucking face is, you know? Yeah, when they gave him two minutes off that hot tag to just go, I feel like we saw every move in his arsenal. Yeah, and, and I don't think I'm going to forget his name. Certainly not. At this point, after what he did. And credit to Eric Young in that match, too, proving that he has the best back body drop to ever exist in Credit to Nikki Cross for that insane oh table spot. Oh my god, with Killian Dane uh, going, I, I mean, it, it was such a good match, and, and on a card full of good matches, I'm still thinking about it days later. I don't know if, I've sort of come to the realization lately, maybe I'm just a huge mark for tag team wrestling. I also think that, like, you talked about it being a tag match between two heel teams. I kind of feel like we got, like, sort of a double turn. A little that bit. They both came out as baby faces in yeah. the end. Because... <laughs> Like, I know that the presentation hasn't really changed for Authors of Pain, but the perception of them certainly has. Because I don't think, if you're a fan of NXT and have been around for as many takeovers as these guys have been on, like, obviously the reaction when they first won the titles was, God, like, they're being held up by these great tag teams. Yeah. They're, they're fighting DIY. They're fighting the Revival all the time. Can't and these guys anymore. are green. These guys are rough in the ring. They don't know what they're doing. No. These guys are still young, obviously, yep. and have a lot to improve on. But, uh, oh, boy, these guys are awesome. This, I, is, this is like if, you know, you had two... Braun Strowman's, and they right. were in a tag team together. Uh, I think you're seeing a bit of a Roman Reigns thing with them. Obviously, it's not a direct comparison, but in terms of people saying, ah, uh, they, they're having good matches because they're with good teams, and now they've just been in too many good ones to continue saying that. Yeah. Like, Authors of Pain at this point, this was sort of the turning point for me where I have to say, these guys are good wrestlers. They've had an incredible match with Heavy Machinery. That's what I mean. And, yeah, like, it's... no slight against Heavy Machinery, but they are also Heavy Machinery. That's <laughs> Wow, how dare you. <laughs> uh, our guy, Cien Almas, uh, had what I thought was a total crackerjack against Johnny Gargano. You Did you see this one? I can't recall. I didn't see that. That's one of the two that I did not get to take in, but uh, very intrigued to eventually watch it because I do love Andrade. I think he's been a very underrated and perhaps yeah. underutilized talent in NXT for a little while. Uh, it did take him a little bit of time to really find his groove as I a didn't character, like him when he started. But I do think he's been in the groove for longer now than people are giving him credit for. You're it. so right about because this. Because people are definitely coming around at this point, but he's been this good for a good six months at least. When you're shitting on those people, you're shitting on me because I was very much not a fan. Started paying attention and another thing where the guy, you say, Josh, you know, you always show me the matches. Show me Sienna and Josh's matches, and they're good. Yeah. They, they, in and out, the Chris Hero one, this one here with Johnny Gargano was, I saw a lot of people thought it was match of the night. I'm very happy to see where this guy goes. And I think part of why I haven't been watching the TV for NXT recently is because, like we talked about, there's the big angle at the end of the pay-per-view, and the last big angle was the dissolution of DIY. Yeah. And unfortunately, that got followed up by both guys being injured immediately. Yeah. So the hook that I had to want to come back in and watch the TV week to week wasn't there. But I do still love Johnny Wrestling, 
And I'm sure that this was a great match because both of those guys can work. And uh, I'm really excited to check in and out when I get the chance. Justin, are you ready for another great opinion of mine that I'm sure, sure. you'll love? Yeah. Uh, I thought Asuka Ember Moon was uh, both Asuka and Ember Moon's best match yeah. on Saturday. I definitely agree. Hey, look at that. We I don't have to sign that again. tweet. No, you do not. And <laughs> honestly, uh, I, think, I think Ember Moon could have won the match. And, okay. it, and it would have been fine, you know? I know what you mean I know by that, that there were a lot of people coming to the weekend being like, well, Asuka has to win because she's so been so dumb. Like, Ember killed her, basically. Yeah. Like, Asuka barely escaped. She literally broke her collarbone in real life. We're, we're assuming that that's a shoot. It was announced on WWE.com. Yeah, she's injured. I, yeah. I We can only treat it as such. Uh, I, I want to say this about Ember Moon in that she's very confusing to me because in ring, I think she's there. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I didn't think she was, but she clearly is. But my gosh, I, I can't think of anybody who on mic mismatches their character as much as Ember Moon. She's like a, a young child on the mic, and then she fights like a werewolf. It's, yeah. it's unbelievably bizarre, and it really holds me back from getting into her. Do you feel similar? I, don't know, I think it works, though. Like, yeah? I, I think she's awesome in the ring. I love just everything about the look and the character. The look is great. Uh, you know, the mic work might not be there, but, like, I, I think she's awesome. I honestly think she is the best female to come around since Asuka honestly, which is why she should probably be the one to eventually dethrone her. Yeah. And it seemed like that was the plan for her when she originally debuted in the crowd at, I think, last year's Brooklyn that's Takeover. That's right. Yep, that's right. Uh, so we're a year later, and it feels like she's not maybe championship ready. I personally think she is, but at least she is like... She is over on the level where she is clearly an NXT star at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'd augment that a little bit to say that I think she's NXT championship ready for sure. Uh, I don't know who else you could possibly put that on after Asuka. It seems to me that it would have to go to Amber unless they call her up without her ever holding the title. But she could go to the main roster right now. She's better than Dana Brooke. She's better than Carmella. She's better than Alexa Bliss in ring. Like she, she's she could she be is hanging in there. Supremely talented and a treat to watch. Real and it was a treat to watch live when we saw her a couple weeks ago. Right, sort of about a month about ago that. or so now. And too, it was yeah. very good. Uh, Justin, what letter grade would you give NXT Takeover? Based I mean, on I only saw? saw three of the five matches, but I would have to give it an A, a for if me not too. an A plus. I thought the ma the fucking show was awesome. And we didn't do it for SummerSlam. What was your letter grade for SummerSlam? Uh, B minus. <laughs> Mine's C. I wanted to say C plus for a second there, but I enjoyed the show overall. Maybe I was just drunk. Though. You gave it the gentleman C plus. Yeah. I appreciate that. Justin, it's time for uh, my favorite <laughs> Maybe segment. I was just drunk. <laughs> yeah, listen, that's when you're tweeting. I always just assume you're just <laughs> head in your arm at some bar, drinking the cheapest swill they have, <laughs> crying into your mug. That's what I picture. And you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, it's time for my favorite segment. I think it's maybe somebody else's favorite segment. Maybe yeah. not. It's time for Sunday Night Tweet. Now, Josh, would you like to explain to the folks at home what this segment entails, or would you prefer that I did that? As the man with better syntax and grammar, I think I better handle this. Oh, one. Uh, wow. What Sunday Night Tweet is, folks, is every week I scour Twitter.com for people who are on the active WWE roster, and I find there... What would you say, Justin? Funniest, weirdest? Yeah, you're looking for worse tweets than your own, which is hard to find, but you somehow <laughs> nice. come up with them. Real good. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking for that. I then read the tweets verbatim, and uh, Justin is expected, based off of almost nothing, to guess who the tweeter and in question I'm, is. I can be pretty good at it. I went four for five last week. That was super impressive. Justin, are you ready for this week's episode of Sunday Night Tweet? Baby, I was born ready. Tweet number one. 
So this is the the tweeter in question quote tweeting a fan. Okay. okay. Uh, this fan just asks and does not tag this tweeter in question in it and says, "Who is better, Beethoven or Mozart?" The tweeter in question quote tweets this and just says, "Me." Uh, I think that was Aiden English. Wow! Right out the gate, it is the WWE drama queen king. It is Aiden English and a friend of Tom, also listener of the best show, friend of Tom Sharpling. Aiden English and Tom Sharpling are friends? Well, listeners of the best show are called Friends of Tom. Oh. And Aiden English is a friend of Tom and a call. He used to call into the show. Okay. When he was still in the indies, he would call in and, and like talk about being an indie wrestler. Cool. And, he, and when he got signed to WWE before like he went to NXT, yep. he called in and said that he needed a name. He needed a name uh, for WWE as a wrestler because he had to come up with a new wrestling name. And the name that Tom gave him was Dumb Oaf. <laughs> and he still keeps that listed in his Twitter bio. Oh, which is tremendous. why, no matter what you want to say about Aiden English, that he's extremely pale, that he has the worst strikes in pro wrestling, <laughs> that his offense is terrible. Hey, I wouldn't say those things because... You I have think bad opinions. Great. No, we we have this kinship. We both love the same podcast, and he is forever endeared to me. WWE. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tweet number two today, Justin. Are you ready? I sure am. Brooklyn knows what true. No one can ignore that. Brooklyn knows what true. No one can ignore that. No one can ignore that Brooklyn knows what true. Hmm. I'm going to go with... Sounds like one of your tweets. Our truth. Well, that's a little racist. Well, no, I just not not because he like screwed up the grammar or whatever. But just because he is what true. It's in his name. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm with you. Just yeah. unfortunately, it is not the rapping man. It is the legit boss, Sasha uh, Banks. Uh. Uh, knowing that. Uh, See, I was gonna guess her, but then I felt like that was racist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that would be less racist. Uh, Justin, here, here's a tweet. Uh, I really like this one. This is uh, well, her name's not Sasha Truth. Come okay, on. all right, okay. Here we go. <laughs> tweet number three. All this tweet says, Justin Morris said, is, "Give me Cena. Give me Cena." This is somebody calling out Cena. Uh, is this a Raw superstar? It is not a Raw superstar. In fact, it is an NXT superstar. Oh. Oh, and it's an NXT superstar that we don't see very much of. Oh, did you see Because I know who it is. Go ahead. It's Oni Lorcan. Yes, it is. Oh, God. Of all of the people who got to like keep their names when they came in from the indies, like Roderick Strong got to stay Roderick Strong. All of the guys in Dishonored got to stay who they are. Yep. Pretty much everyone who's held the NXT title got to keep their name. Biff Busick, who has the fucking coolest wrestling name ever, Biff Busick, becomes Oni Lorkin. Who are, these are two names that no one has ever had. There's no one named Oni, and there's no Lorkins. Hey, you're making... Don't what? talk bad about my friend Oni. He, the name, he will never accomplish anything as long as he's named Oni Lorcan. That's the worst name I've ever okay. heard. He has already accomplished being like the stiffest worker on earth. So that's <laughs> that's a thing for Oni. Wow, you're two for three here, Justin. But but things are about to get a lot harder for you. Oh, uh, yeah? Are I'm, they? Just, I'm just going to read this one verbatim. Okay. Uh, so it's a, it's a picture of a, a possum. With its eyes crossed. Okay? okay Are you with okay. me so yeah, far? Yeah, yeah, I got you. And the, the tweeter in question tweets this out and says, I follow this wee guy on Instagram. A cross-eyed possum. Uh, can he believe it? 
actual quality. That would, of course, be the Scottish supernova Noam Dar. How did you know? Yes, indeed, it is the Scottish supernova. He famously loves possums. Oh, my gosh, especially cross-eyed ones. Let's move on to the last tweet here, Justin. Uh, this one's purely a retweet. Oh, yeah. So someone okay. retweeted the verified Call of Duty account. And here's what the Call of Duty account says. Three more days. Retweet for a chance to win beta codes for your squad. <laughs> So he really wants to play the beta. Somebody on the WWE active roster is dying to play the beta for uh, Call of Duty. You know what? I'm I. There's three people that I think this could be. Go I think ahead. Xavier Woods is too obvious. Though. Sure, I'm gonna rule him out. Uh, and then I think it's the two guys who uh, are you know bigger gamers than I might think. Go ahead. Uh, and that is either Seth Rollins or AJ Styles. Yeah. And I'm going to go with AJ Styles. AJ Styles is a big gamer. I've seen interviews with him talking about yeah, this. It, he was in the finals of their Rocket League tournament. That's right. Uh, it is not AJ Styles. Really? It is the Snack. The Viper. Oh, what? Randy Orton. No, he was down with gaming, but he's down with vaping, so he probably games after he vapes. That makes sense. Doesn't it make a weird amount of sense that Randy Orton loves Call of Duty? Yeah. Actually, it totally that, does. Once I saw that, I was like, yeah. yeah they're yeah. like, both have been around forever. No one really knows why they're still here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they, they sort of are. He is the Call of Duty of pro wrestling. I think this is fair to say, yes? Yeah, definitely. And with that, Justin. Uh, you know what, Josh? Oh. I have a little bonus round of oh. Sunday Night Tweet this week. Oh, my God. I'm turning the table. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to make you guess this one. Oh, bring it on. This one uh, is a it, it quote tweets a tweet from the WWE UK account. I'm not going to give you that tweet, though, because that will give away something about this. Sure. But uh, it's like an advertisement, okay. let's say. Uh, and so uh, uh, this gentleman or lady or whoever it happens to be, this superstar is okay. what I should say, uh, says, little known fact about WWE superstars, we go to the airport in our wrestling gear and we are willing to jeopardize travel plans to buy <laughs> toys. This is very difficult. <laughs> I, I was hoping that this would appear in your roundup, but when it didn't, I thought, oh boy, this tweet is so good, I have to include it. Would you like to hear it again? Yeah, yeah, repeat it for me. Little known fact about WWE superstars, we go to the airport in our wrestling gear, and we are willing to jeopardize travel <laughs> plans to buy toys. I'm going to go with a man who I've seen talk about um, airport etiquette for pro wrestlers before. Okay. I, I'm going to go with Biggie Langston. Ooh, good guess. No. But unfortunately, I did that thing that you like to do to me where I pick your favorite wrestlers oh, and then of a bitch. reveal that you actually don't know anything about you them. You son of a bitch. Because this is none other than the underdog from the underground, not. Sammy Zayn. Son of a bitch. Who was quote tweeting a commercial of himself, Becky Lynch, and AJ Styles running around the British version of Toys R Us. <laughs> that is a good tweet. And they're all buying toys and AJ misses the plane because he's busy <laughs> buying too many toys. This is a great tweet. I expect nothing less from uh, the underdog from the underground, my man Sami Zayn. Wonderful stuff. Um, in my defense, without the quote, I mean, I always give you the quote. Here. Yeah, but I felt like the quote itself reveals that it's Becky Lynch, okay. AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn. I'm giving myself a half point. Uh, I'm not going to give Well, as the one who runs Sunday Night Tweet, I'm giving myself a half point. <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> this game is rigged, folks. If you didn't think it before, you just got the proof right now. <laughs> and we will go from there into round... Number three. Round three. Fight. Hey, Justin. Hi. 
How you doing? Uh, good. My name is Enzo Amore. And? I have no no clear ba- direction. <laughs> I have nowhere to go but down. Yes. Uh, Justin, okay, let, let's start with the pay-per-view and work forward. We so. teased this earlier. I did anyways. It was empirically the worst match on the pay-per-view. You're talking about Big Show versus Big Cast with Enzo suspended above in a shark cage. God awful. Yeah, bad match. It bad was match. horrific. It was maybe Big Show's worst match ever. Maybe ever is pushing it. Yeah, I, but I, honestly, like this felt worse than the stairs match against Eric Rowan. I forgot that that happened. Hey, Eric Rowan hits a spin kick on Big Show in that match. That it's is, got that big old booty, it's too. It's super dope. So I'm, I'm going to remove that from worse. Listen, I, I don't know about worse because his career is so long. I, I'm sure there's something. But, but that was a bad match. It, it was, really was. It was... You know, at least in terms of, like, late career Big Show. Yeah. We've seen him have, like, a bit of a renaissance lately. and With have the like matches. Pretty good matches against Braun Strowman. Really good, I think. Yeah, really. Uh, and it's hard to say that Braun Strowman carried him through those matches. Yeah, except in sort of a literal sense, being the exactly. only guy who put him up on his shoulder. Yeah, but. true, true. I guess in that sense, Braun Strowman literally did carry him <laughs> throughout most of the match. Uh, but... In the proverbial sense, it was kind of a joint effort because Big Show was also very impressive in those matches. Agreed. No one was impressive in this match. Uh, unless you really liked Enzo oiling himself up and escaping Which the cage. I did. What a tremendous spot. What a wonderful bit of comedy. A, tre- a tremendous sight gag, but it led to nothing. Zero. Now, if Enzo was doing this in secret, and we, the audience, know what's happening, and Big Cass has no idea, and then Enzo drops himself onto Big Cass in a way that uh, influences the outcome of the match, maybe that would have been great. Maybe that would have been a very memorable spot and a very memorable finish, and maybe one of the most memorable things that happened in WWE all year long. No question. But we didn't get that. We got him dropping to the floor like an imbecile (laughs) and then getting super kicked in the face. Big booted. Big booted, rather, in the face immediately. Like, how did he not know that that was going to happen? Well, what did what was he doing? Like, <laughs> come on! Let me explain why this is especially problematic. Because this is especially problematic. I'm very exacerbated today. Between this and Oni Lorkin, uh, this is a very frustrated JMO episode. I can't say you're shot out of a cannon quite yet, but we're, we're teetering onto that territory. Here's why this is especially problematic, Justin. Because Enzo looks like an absolute idiot on Sunday. And then on Monday Night Raw, Enzo Amore and Big Cass have what they deem a Brooklyn Street fight. So a no-holds-barred match between uh, Enzo Amore and Big Cass. And it's the blow-off. We're finally going to be done with this. And they'll both go on to what they're going to go on to. And Enzo Amore, in kayfabe... Is the giant killer. Injures Big Cass and puts him out for what sounds like six to nine months. A guy who cannot survive one big boot from Big Cass over the course of six weeks... Now wins the feud. I mean, it kind of feels like the most fitting end if you were to write it also, because this guy who got shit kicked every step of the way does get the last laugh and gets to exit on a high note instead of just getting his ass kicked week after week after week. But I think you can only say sort of, because what you have here is the baby face finally gets over use by weapons. using weapons. You to use weapons. It's fine. It's it's so strange, and it puts WWE hey, in what I think is hey, a very weird. No, you, spot. we cannot complain when Bailey does not use a kendo stick 
if we're also going to complain that baby faces do use weapons. I will happily complain about both You justifiably but- need to be able to use weapons as a baby face. Otherwise, you're a fucking idiot. Oh, 100% using weapons should not be considered a, a heel move. Mm. I will only suggest that Enzo still... Could never beat <laughs> Big Cass in a wrestling match. Ah, but he, he weaponed him up, and it was fine. I suppose there's something to that. But now <laughs> what does WWE do? So what they did is on uh, when, Tuesday night after SmackDown, Enzo Amore interrupted Neville and came and cut a promo. He was, like, wearing a Cosby sweater. Now he's on 205 Live, yeah. uh, supposedly. Well, he'll still be on Raw. That's what his Instagram post said. He said, still Raw. So what what does this mean for Enzo Amore? Is he going to run both on Raw and on 205 Live? I honestly think it... It gives the cruiserweights a more prominent position on Raw itself if Enzo is involved in their segments. So you're saying Neville versus Enzo spot on Raw is better than Neville versus anyone else on Raw? Um, not necessarily. I, I could maybe agree with that in terms of spotlight. Not necessarily because I do feel like we've seen with like the Tazawa feud certainly that like those like a, a Neville feud if you actually have Neville wrestle on television. And, like, my goodness, he's got to have the easiest schedule right now of anyone. Neville? Yeah, it seems yeah. like he only wrestles at Raw pay-per-views, and that's it. Yeah, Save true. for last week's Raw. Yeah. Like, I don't even... Is he working house shows? Does he just do pay-per-views? I'm really not sure, but I hadn't it thought about it. It seems, like, right. yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah. Because, uh, like, all he does is come out and be like... No one can be like me. I'm the best there ever was. You're all trash. Anyway, good night, everybody. I'm not wrestling. Bye. That was the Scottish Supernova, Nova Amdar, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. He, he also wrote that. Uh, so, so I don't think that uh, Enzo being on both would be a net harm. If he can work on 205 Live and that helps him come along in ring and he can keep doing the talking thing on Raw. But I feel like it is just being ignorant to some point. You're being obstinate of not just admitting what Enzo is. And Enzo should be the babyface manager to somebody who cannot talk on the roster. This Is it just too obvious that they don't want to? Why aren't they doing this, Because Justin? he's he's been a wrestler for, you know, three years now, and they've clearly invested him in, in, or invested in training him to do that. Okay, but, but sometimes you have to admit a flaw. Paul Heyman always talks about minimizing guys' weaknesses and maximizing their strengths. We've seen moments where Enzo, you could make a strong case for being number two behind Miz on the mic in the whole company. He has cut promos that most people are not capable of cutting, and I think to not maximize on this is asinine. But I also feel like as much as we... I think it's important that we have this second Enzo entirely focused segment because the last time we talked about Enzo, it was... Oh my God! Can you believe this guy? He just cut the promo of his life. Right. He can talk better than anyone. Do you remember those Halcyon days, Josh? They were just before a, yeah, a, a pay per view <laughs> called uh, "Great Balls of Fire" that was uh, like a, maybe like six weeks ago, but probably five. The good old days. Yeah. Doesn't that feel like so long ago now? Sure. That but Enzo guy... was a good talker. Well, listen, because Justin, man, the guys... some of these promos lately, especially the one on the pay per view itself. Not good. How could you and blame I, this on And him, I though? felt bad for him because, like, this is basically a hometown crowd in Brooklyn, and he was making, like, hometown hip-hop references, and it was dead. Not one single person was into uh, it. I, I Now, you're going to say that they're, 
they're not reacting because we've seen him get beat up too many times. No, I'm not. That's not where I'm going with this. First of all, they didn't react because he picked like a somewhat obscure Lil' Kim song, which True. probably wasn't the move. True. What I'm saying is the poor son of a bitch has to do five or more minutes of promos every week. And so that's two months it's been on the same person. I guess that's actually very true. No yeah. one on the roster has to talk for that long. It gets repetitive. Where the hell can he go? What else is there for it, him to say about Big Cass? It did feel like they pulled the plug on the promo on Sunday, though. Like It, it did. wasn't supposed to end there. But, oh boy, this is not over at all. We I, need to speed this along. I fully agree with that. I, but I just don't know who on the roster. No one has to they talk to as make, much as him. They needed to make time. They were, they were like, mapping out the show. And they were like, boy, I think we're... Uh, we're not going to have enough time for this Randy Orton <laughs> Rusev match. They can't have a full yeah. match. But so I feel for Enzo Amore there. I don't think his best role is shooting on cast because he's done it now for two months. Yeah, and and the best one was like six weeks ago. Absolutely. How how can you – no one else on the roster is expected to do five minutes of promo every week. And That's, he has to do it on the same I mean, thing. Seth Rollins did that for like Yeah, and it year. got horrible oh, by the end. pretty good. I still thought it was great. By the end? I mean – the problem was his characterization as like a weak bitch. Yeah. And more so than the actual promo content. It's tough. So uh, I would like for Enzo Amore uh, to just manage somebody who is a bad talker. They are not short on people who are good in ring and bad talkers. Was this you who said, one of our friends was saying this, it might have been you, who Maybe. was saying that I don't know yet. he should manage Asuka? Uh, no, I said Paul Heyman should manage Asuka. Ah, okay. That, that actually was... is a great choice. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. I will not sign that tweet either. Uh, but it, it's tricky for me with Enzo because you have just on the current WWE roster no shortage of people who are good in ring and mediocre to bad on mic. And you have one guy who is mediocre to bad, bad really, in ring and elite on mic. How is there not a pairing that exists there? You're, you're telling me that Enzo couldn't slightly tone down his character and be a great uh, manager for somebody who isn't good on mic? Yeah, I guess. I just, I mean, it's not even that I like watching Enzo Amore wrestle. It just feels like making him no longer a wrestler is like being like, this guy sucks. You but know? even with Cass, he was mostly just a guy who would take offense. That's true. And as a manager, like Bobby the Brain Heenan, who know who did wrestle yeah. and knows how to take bumps, yeah. Heenan is well regarded as one of the best managers ever because like, baby faces can, or heels can actually attack the manager and they know how to bump. And like, even the Bollywood boys are essentially managing Jinder Mahal A hundred percent. And they just become bump machines. And they're for, still, yeah, they still are involved in a lot of matches and take big sick drops and stuff and and like you have to respect what they do as workers basically. So yeah, actually that isn't necessarily a bad spot for Enzo, but if the cruiserweight division is going to get two segments of raw a yeah. week and maybe more. Yeah. Like because sometimes the matches run for, you know, there's a commercial break. So maybe total you're looking at three segments of cruiserweights every week. You could, yeah. I think having Enzo be in one of those segments that's like, you know, you you said pair him with Neville. I think put him in the one that's not Neville because people are super into Neville. Yeah. That doesn't need a bump. Yep. The eight-man tag that we get, however, like it was eight men this week. It was it's a usually, really good it's match. It's usually four or six. <laughs> yeah, Grand Metalik got to be on Raw this week for the first fucking time ever. Yeah. Hopefully, if, if we're going to punish Baron Corbin and replace him with Bobby Roode on SmackDown, can we 
punish Enzo Amore by replacing him with Grand Metalik on Raw? Yeah, I mean, Grand Metalik's another guy who's not very good in-ring, but is great on the mic, so it does <laughs> seem like a very natural Well, fit. whatever they had <laughs> planned for him, because I don't think the plan was, like, you're going to be... I guess maybe they didn't have a plan at all. Yeah, that's it, entirely possible. I think that's exactly what happened. But uh, um, after whoever wins this Braun Strowman Brock Lesnar match at No Mercy, yeah, they should have to defend their title against, against Grand Metal League. That's well, all I'm saying. Yeah, that's a great opinion, Justin. I think, uh, yeah, I definitely ship. But that. you can't tell me that that wouldn't be a fucking crackling match. <laughs> Metal League versus Brock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would be, be great. Incredible. It would be great. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this, Justin. We've touched on Enzo, but what now of Big Cass, who, in the middle of what seems like, there's a lot of reasons to think that there was going to be a big push for him. Now he's out from what they're saying, six to nine months from a knee injury. What do you think happens to him on return? I think this is, um, you know. A bad time, but it's kind of a good thing as well. Okay. Because save for the reaction that he got in Boston last week. Which was great. Which was incredible. Uh, Like, he had one of the best segments on that Raw and then the worst match at SummerSlam. Um, Like, this has not really been all that successful for him so far. Again, I think he's been trapped having to just feud with Enzo for some. And I I did enjoy Big Show. I understand that. I agree on some level, but also... You know, outside of seeing a crowd just boo him vociferously like we did last week, there's not a lot of reason to be invested in this guy as a heel character. And maybe going away for as long as he has to go away for is actually going to do him some good. And you could still bring him back as a heel. I don't think... Cass is at a point in his career where him just coming back is a natural yeah, babyface pop. Certainly not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially if you bring him back in the right way where he's like attacking someone or yep. something. But, y- you know, like, obviously this is not going the way that they wanted it to go. How bad has this breakup been? Pretty bad. Like, the feud has been, it's hurt both guys. Yeah. They both have been semi-exposed. D- in the immediate aftermath of the breakup... Looked like very beneficial. Oh, I'll admit they, how wrong I was. Because they both cut awesome promos. It uh, was like, oh my god, Cass can talk. I I, mean, I will eat my knew? words on that because I thought, okay, there is some likes this breakup. It was clearly a mistake, clearly too soon. I think we can say that now, yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? Because like, if they had just blown this off at Great Balls of Fire, yeah, wouldn't you think the breakup was successful? It's tough for me to say, but more likely than where it is now, for because sure. Because the go-home to that show, for both of them, was awesome. I even feel like the, Big Show's been hurt by this. And the feud at that point was also awesome. Yeah, because Big Show, had, like I said, had a reputation. Like, this guy is getting in shape again yeah. and, is, and is something again. And then these matches have killed him. Yeah, no, I think, I think this is actually good because Cass can benefit from having distance from this. Sure. It, it is such a mess that maybe... Go away and heal up, and when you come back, we will have forgotten about this. We'll remember the key moments that broke our hearts, the big boots and the breakup and the whatever he said to him in the promo afterwards. (laughs) Clearly, I remember it so well. But, like, there will be memorable moments. We can just forget about everything else as we often do in wrestling. As we often do. Uh, in the final seconds here, Justin, uh, who who do you see more upside with right now, Big uh, Big Cass or Enzo? I mean, Enzo can walk, so Enzo. A year from now, who's the big? Who's <laughs> Probably the Big Cass. And with the, <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna sneak in one last little comment here. <gasps> no, nope. not about this round. Oh, okay. I meant to mention during the SummerSlam round, but we moved on before I could. That uh, this little combination finisher. 
that Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose have going with yeah. their, like, is it the Kingslayer? Is that what he's calling his little knee thing? I think that's just the name I pitched for it. They've never oh. called it that on. Oh, uh, well, whatever he's doing, whatever that's called, his little yeah. knee thing into the Dirty Deeds. The Rain V Trigger. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. So I, uh, I just wanted to mention that. I think that's a good mention. And with that, how about uh, we get into a couple of listener questions? Sure, here. I would love to. Uh, you want me to read you uh, the first one here? I love it when you read to me. Hey, listen, with it. you're the one with the nice voice. When I listen to this show on the odd <laughs> occasion, holy cow, it's not. Uh, I don't have a very nice voice. What are you gonna do? Uh, our first one here comes from uh, your enemy, my friend uh, Xavier Galaxy, aka Xavier Galaxy on Twitter, and he just says. Dream opponent for Kenny Omega in WWE. So um, if uh, if Omega were to come to WWE, who would you most want to see the the matchup with? And I, I kind of feel like we might have the same answer. I mean, yeah, I AJ Styles is the obvious yeah, answer, yeah, yeah. but then it feels like a cheat because like literally any time we ever get a question in the mailbag that's like, if someone could unretire and have one last match, <laughs> who would it be against? AJ Styles. It's always AJ Styles, because he is most dependably going to give you the best, most amazing match you can possibly Let's remove have. AJ from the question, then, just to make this a little more interesting. Um, well, you kind of mentioned there that, uh, you know, uh, Seth Rollins' new finisher is a bit of a ripoff. Of, yeah. A, it's like a combination ripoff of both <laughs> yeah. Omega and Okada at the same time. <laughs> Right, uh, and you know, I've often said that like Seth is like the the AJ of Raw, basically, yeah. um, and I think that he could have a really good match. And like, he has not really had like a blow away work rate match in the last like year or so. Like he was having consistently all the time when he first like was given money in the bank and then became champion. Yeah. It's been a little while since you could point to an, uh, a Seth Rollins match and be that's like, true. holy shit, this guy is amazing. Yeah, that's true. Him and Zayn on that episode of Raw is probably the last time. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously since I, I'm not, because I all my examples there were like way way back. Not that I gave a specific example. No, no, yeah. yeah. But uh, Roman Seth at Money in the Bank last year was probably my match of the year last year. Oh, so good. Uh, so it's not like we're so I was in far Vegas removed for, that. for oh, an incredible Seth Rollins match, and that honestly might be his best match ever. I think it. Oh no, the Rumble Triple Threat for the, me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's actually plenty of choices for that. Yeah, but it's, it's been a while since Seth Rollins has really blown the roof off a place, and I think Kenny Omega would be an excellent opponent for him to do just that. That's a great answer. Uh, I'm going to take this question a little bit of a step further and uh, think of the feud around it. Okay. okay. So not just the match leading up to it. And I think it's very worth noting that Kenny Omega is a tremendous character, great on the mic, and can cut some promos, and I want to see him and Kevin Owens go at oh. it. Uh, I think the, the build to, to that match would be tremendous, and then we both know that Owens can deliver in the ring i would really like to see omega versus owens i thought you were gonna say because he's the cleaner you want to see me? him no him versus tyler breeze oh the two the janitors cleaner versus the janitor well well i'm sure that would be excellent and firmly established kenny omega at the top of the card i'm gonna stick with my answer of kevin owens uh you got one for me there justin i do and it comes to us from michael j foy hello michael uh, he asks, if you could pick any wrestler, who would you have wanted to beat Undertaker's streak? Uh, this is this is easy for me. I've been a, and I hate to give an unsatisfying answer here, but I'm going to do it because I, I firmly believe this. I never wanted the streak to end. I don't think anybody ever should have beat it. I think Undertaker should have gotten retired as this thing that can can never be matched. Um, I'm going to pick what I think is the obvious answer for if you're going to choose someone who should have beaten him before Brock. Yeah, and that's CM Punk. 
Oh, yeah. The match that they had was spectacular. And more than that, the feud that they had mm -hmm. was amazing. Agree that it was the last great Taker match? Oh, easily. Yeah. Absolutely. Some people like to say that Hell in a Cell versus Brock. And I'm like, you kidding me, player? And it, it, what's most incredible about it is how injured Punk is at the time. <laughs> like, if you've not heard him go off on that <laughs> Cold Cabana podcast, oh, boy. I don't know why you're listening to us every week but have never listened to that. Uh, that seems impossible. We're much better. I don't think... I'm, pr I'm pretty sure I'm talking about a person who doesn't exist. More like Colt, idiot, and CM Junk compared to us. <laughs> um, fair. Uh, CM Junk. <laughs> but, uh, My favorite wrestler. But yeah, he's very, very beat up. Oh, yeah. And like extremely injured for someone who really carries that match and does an incredible job of it. And like, I think, you know, one of the reasons that I'm going to pick him. Other than that, like, I think overall he deserved it for mm -hmm. the work that went into that whole feud uh, and and the match itself. Uh, is that if they had just given him anything, he might still be here. Oh, stop. He, he I might, can't think about He that. might have never left. Like, he was clearly the top star in the company for about a two-year stretch or so. Uh, maybe. Well, you could argue longer than that. But, yeah, he was peaking for about two years. Like, um, forward. And, like, just never got treated like that. Never was given a prominent place on an important card. Never got given, like... I don't know. The Undertaker match at Mania is a pretty... It's, it's a pretty... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, like, he never got to main event at WrestleMania. That's right. He never got, like... He gets put in these places, but ultimately, like, loses the more important things that he gets yeah, put in. Yeah, he loses in. to every part-timer, and that's the story, right? Which sucks. Yeah, and if he got to main event of WrestleMania or got something important like ending the streak, then there's a good possibility that he is like creatively contented in a way that he just never leaves the company. See, it's interesting to me because Punk is one of my three favorite wrestlers ever, but I actually don't like that answer because I feel like at that point, he was already a giant deal to the point that he had that. I would have rather it gone to a Bray Wyatt. Somebody, if they do have to, I don't want it to break. I was thinking I Bray. I was also thinking about Bray because... You want to talk about somebody doing a great job carrying a feud? <laughs> One man Like, alone. he did it by himself. Yes. Like, Punk was incredible in all the stuff that he did with, like, Paul, Paul Bear's Bear. urn yeah. and shit. Like, that was and you, so you good. You can't take away from Heyman in that feud either. Yeah. It was excellent. And especially considering, like, that was a turning program for CM Punk, I'm pretty sure, who had just come off of, like, a lengthy run as a babyface. I don't remember. Had to suddenly become heel to work this Taker feud yeah, and did good. it in such a way where like he was despicable, but in a way that was awesome. Yeah, also, he was the king of that specifically. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say I never wanted the streak to break, but if, if but it yeah, had to go, why it would. And also, like. yeah, I think like in terms of, you know, it's not like losing the streak diminished punk's value in anyone's mind, no. but maybe his own. But I do feel like losing that match really actually did damage Bray Wyatt in a way that might be irreparable or Very irreparable. I, say. I agree with both those points. Justin, I don't know this about you, but it comes from us from uh, no longer the ice cream cake eater himself. Now the not a surf and turf, a great pun on a decent band, Blair Pachico. And Blair asks us, you, me, what was your first live pro wrestling experience? Um... Mine is actually embarrassingly recent. Oh, okay. I would love to say that, like, I was at the Monday Night Raw at GM Place in 2000, or, fuck, that I was at Rock Bottom 98, yeah. or that I was at, 
I think there was like an In Your House that took place in Vancouver. Was there? Back in like 94 or Ooh, something. Ooh, I didn't know that. Uh, there is another Vancouver pay-per-view that's earlier than uh, yeah. we went back. Because you and I tried to watch every Vancouver televised wrestling I think event we, we have. History. We even did that SmackDown and Kamloops. Uh, you might have done that by yourself. I didn't get to see that one. Oh, and it was in Kelowna, it's fella. very sad. Uh, regardless... Uh, we saw our friends, Mike Noble and Brendan Bachelor yeah. appear on Monday the Night The hurricane Raw. gives Mike his yeah. mask. And which Brodo still... thinks it's the most incredible thing that's yeah, ever Brodo, happened. Brodo steals that seed, yeah. but that's a little inside baseball. Uh, <laughs> my first – well, so what is but, yours? Uh, or, you know, I'd love to say I was at uh, rock bottom in 98. I would even settle for being at New Blood Rising, WCW <laughs> 2000. Judy Bagwell. Yeah, Judy Bagwell on a pole match, sucka. Uh, but unfortunately – I just never had the disposable income of my own as a child sure. to go to see those events. Yep. And my parents despised pro wrestling and hoped that it would be something that I grew out of. Do your parents listen to the show? Uh, no, never. Okay, mine do. So I will uh, say, thanks for letting me go to shit, Mom. <laughs> yeah, to which I would say, I wish I had you as my folks. <laughs> my mom just marked out, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, oh, shit. I've been healing on you all show long, but I just endeared myself. Yeah, she was going to hate you for shit got her boy. but yeah, Not anymore. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the first time that I had the money uh, to be able to do this myself and was in town to do it was uh, an Abbotsford House show uh, in 2014. Was that 20, a, 2015, was March that, of 2015, so not even three years ago. You know, I was there too, and uh, that's one of Daniel Bryan's last Yeah, we saw him we and saw Harper. Daniel Bryan take on Luke Harper yeah, in and it was a, great. an awesome match. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's like his third or fourth last wrestling match ever. I had a great time at that show. We had floor seats. Oh, uh, that must be nice. I was in the nosebleeds. <laughs> and yeah, I, I got to see Daniel Bryan wrestle. Live in person, and that is a memory that I will legitimately cherish forever. Even as someone who was there when he retired. Yeah, and I was also there. I, I, I was that. on TV during his retirement speech. Look you, at you. you can see me in the crowd getting all weepy. That. Oh, look at this yeah. little baby. Uh, my first pro wrestling experience was with my uh, upstairs neighbor, Bo, uh, growing up. Uh, I We're grew talking up, live experience. That's right. Sorry, yeah. live experience. Yeah, sorry. Um, and uh, I grew up in a town called Abbotsford, and in Abbotsford there's the annual sort of country fair called AgriFair. It's where ECCW runs now. I don't know if it was ECCW back then, but I was probably nine years old, and Bo and I went down to um, the AgriFair for a Bret Hart signing. So Bret Hart was at the AgriFair, so I had a, got a signed picture mm -hmm. from Bret Hart, and then I went to, I think it was my first live did pro he, wrestling Did he show. talk to you? I, I, not really. Did he say, like, hey, Josh, stay in school. Your I, pal, the hitman. I, I think he just <laughs> said it was just a side picture and it was on uh, to the next idiot kid. Um, but so then I went into the, the auditorium there and I watched my first pro wrestling What if match. he hated Hulk Hogan so much that, like, his <laughs> advice to kids was, like, don't take your vitamins and do drugs. <laughs> Never say your prayers. Yeah. There is no God. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, uh, I still very distinctly remember uh, being there watching this. There was it was not a very full crowd. It was in the middle of the day. Bo and I got seats right up front in the center. It was free. It was just going on during the fair, right? Yeah. Uh, and I was so blown away being close because I'd watched wrestling on TV, of course, but never been there to to see it live. And I'm a young kid, 
and these guys are like swearing in the ring and like yelling at the crowd and I remember genuinely just being like, oh my goodness, this is... And Bo and I were buzzing for days after. I can't speak to any match quality. I don't remember who it was, but I was just blown away. I was like, I... We were talking about that for a year. Couldn't wait to go see it again at the Agri-Fair the next year. So that was my first live pro wrestling experience. Met Bret Hart and then watched some some local indie. It might have been ECCW, but I'm really not sure. Do you know what your first WWE show was? Um, Did you get to go to like house shows back no, in the day? No, I didn't grow up rich. Uh... It's probably something around the recency of yours. Yeah, really. I think so. Hmm. I might be, might, as you know well, my memory is atrocious, but but it, it might be. I, I didn't go to any like big Vancouver paper. It's all that brown liquor. It's all that brown liquor, man. <laughs> uh, Justin, we we got more questions here. Uh, Do one we? one from uh, your co-host there on uh, Real Good well, Show. Well, I can't see it on my phone because he's blocked, unfortunately. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, you're in a feud with him right now. He can't handle reading my tweets, which means he doesn't get to. Well, well, I will uh, bridge the gap here. I will. Uh, so you don't even know what this question is. This is great. Uh, so John Cullen writes in at Cullen Cullen the comic. Thanks for coming in, Sean. Who's that? <laughs> Do you want me to just answer this question? <laughs> uh, here's the question, Justin. <laughs> Which wrestler would have been markedly better with someone else's theme? Bonus question, hard mode. Which two be- wrestlers would have benefited most from switching themes? So the first question is, which re- just name a wrestler, give them a new theme, and now they're better. Who you got? That's really hard, actually. And I think his question was kind of born out of discussion that we were having about Bobby Roode's theme music Correct. being originally intended for Shinsuke Nakamura. Sure. Which would have been very bad. Not good. Probably for both of them. I would think so. Um, and yeah, I don't know. This is a really hard question because I was thinking about it. When it came in last night, and again before we started recording, I don't really have an answer for it. Okay. Because, like, it is so difficult for me to separate someone's theme music from their character. Because I know Because it gets mean. so tied together over time. Yeah. Um, and to try and put that on someone else sort of feels strange. Um, here's, here's one, maybe. Okay. Uh... I would swap uh, Zack Ryder's theme with Dolph Ziggler's theme. Okay, so we have Zack Ryder here to show the world. Yeah. And Dolph Ziggler, woo, 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 you know it. No, no, Zack Ryder, and Dolph Ziggler is uh, O Radio, tell me everything. Oh, that one. Yeah. I don't hate that switch. I think that's. uh... I I feel like, I don't know what that does for Dolph, probably not. A lot. Probably yeah. not very good stuff at all, honestly. <laughs> uh, but I feel like Zach probably would have done well with that. Because the number one thing that I hated about Zack Ryder was his shitty theme music. <laughs> but then if Dolph was a heel, then that probably would still work for him. Not yeah. that Zach wasn't a heel then, necessarily. But, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, for the... For, I'm gonna... For the... He said there's a... God mode difficulty of this question, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you take two and you swap both of their yeah. theme songs in a way that benefits both of them. Yeah. And I have an answer for that. Okay. Uh, go ahead. This I did spend a lot of time thinking about. Here we go. And I am going to swap Perry Saturn's solo theme music uh-huh. with Cesaro's <laughs> theme music. <laughs> I think the difference will be very noticeable. What, and also Scott Steiner's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do a triple swap <laughs> Just there. anyone with a siren and a boring ring. 
<laughs> I, I actually think that Perry Saturn theme is dope. I can't and tell. And Cesaro's is actually pretty good, too. Cesaro's is awful. Oh, Perry no. Saturn's is the theme to this show, so I don't <laughs> think I could really shit on it too hard. What? Do you not like it? Perry Saturn's yeah. theme? I think it's all right. Just all right. I think I should probably write wow. a theme for this show one of these days. Wow, three. listen to this guy. Just all right. He just, Justin just looked off to the side to get a load of yeah, this like guy. Yeah, like I was looking at the what. camera. Yeah, get a load of this guy. <laughs> he did like the Jim from the office mug to the camera at no one. <laughs> we should really periscope us filming this one day. Um, My answer, now, I, I could not, much like you, really answer John's question, the hard mode version, with the swap because... It felt like every time I was switching, there were people who I thought could gain, but the other person was definitively exactly, a loss. Exactly, because Dolph loses in my trade. Yeah, sure. That's right. Yeah, it, it felt definitive that way. But the closest thing I could think of was um, if you hear Mick Foley talk about what the, the dude love character initially was. It was uh, a kid who didn't look like Shawn Michaels, but was going to act like Shawn Michaels. The ladies loved him. The men wanted to be him. This is a great answer. Uh, th- th- I'm already on board. Where do you think it's going? That you're going to give Dude Love Shawn Michaels theme song. You nailed it. So I am swapping Dude Love and HBK's themes. So Mick Foley comes out. This is post-Mankind, post-Cactus Jack. And this is the uh, hard... Ah! Uh, ah! Uh. <laughs> and and Audi comes and he is now... Mankind is reviled as this hideous beast and Cactus Jack sort of this brute. And out comes Dude Love and the presentation of Shawn Michaels' thing. Is he keeping the tie-dye or is he wearing the chaps? No, no. He looks like Dude Love, okay? Okay. Because Dude Love dresses like he's from the 60s, but his music is clearly disco. So that's confusing anyway, which is what made me start on this. He's like a clear hippie who should have 60s music but enters to disco music. So why I like um, Sexy Boy for... Um, for Dude Love is that it, it explains the character. He comes out, and while he may not look like the most handsome guy ever, it's you think I'm cute, you know I'm sexy, and he now has earned that swagger that and Dude he's Love singing walks it himself. A hundred percent. He probably has a better singing voice than Sean. Almost also. certainly. <laughs> now here's also why I like Dude Love for HBK, the Heartbreak Kid. So the hey 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 hey, I he does the swagger out anyway. He has the hearts on his trunks. If you think of the WrestleMania yeah, gear, true, the white true. with the heart. Or the gold hearts all the time so this was the best answer i could think of except, for john's hard mode except dude loves theme music does say dude love over and over again. that is really the one issue with it but i don't know that dude love couldn't have been a nickname for uh hbk over the heartbreak kid as yeah. well so i think i feel like he would probably be the love dude something like more this so than dude love uh, but i thought long and hard about this the best answer i could think of is dude love and Shawn michaels are going to switch themes and i think it really helps dude love and i don't think it hinders Shawn michaels much and i think maybe even help Shawn Michaels. Uh, just because you went to your favorite of all time in McFoley, I know I already answered the question, but one of the things that I... We'll make a sandwich. Yeah, one of the things that I like don't really like about Daniel Bryan, despite the fact that I absolutely love him, is his theme music. Especially pre-Yes Chant, it doesn't really suit him. Yeah, and like it kind of makes sense, honestly, in that he has like a contemporary version like an electric guitar cover of a classic yeah. uh, like classical music. That's interesting. And yeah. that actually does suit his style as a wrestler, a contemporary take on on the classics basically. But as an actual song, it's very strange and yeah, without the chant doesn't really work. Yeah. I'm sure there's something that I could come up with that would be better for him, but uh But he would be somebody that you'd consider uh, to to swap themes. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what his ROH theme was? No. So in ROH, 
I can only assume it was used with some irony. He entered to the final countdown, you know. Oh, sick. That's hilarious. And that was sort of always the Daniel Bryan theme in my mind for some reason, even though it was, like, super corny. But uh, anyway. Yeah. So those those are the questions for the That's week. It. And, That's it. That's all. Uh, those are the answers. All I right. was really proud of my dude Love HBK one. I thought long and hard about it. Oh, so wow. Well, there you uh, go. There you go. I didn't think about anything that I said on this entire show. That's so. almost, that's maybe even more impressive I in think some it ways. Showed, <laughs> I thought you were good. I thought you way better than the last week. Holy cow! Ah, uh, well, I don't think we have any like serious morals to send the people off with this week. Oh, well, listen, be kind to each other. Yeah, listen. You've, you've listened to us bust each other's balls for the last ninety minutes, but you know what? Let me tell you the straight goods here. Let me peel back the curtain. Tell Let me expose J-Mo. the business. Tell him, Jamo. Josh Custodio is one of my truest and best friends. And that's, this is, I have not even known this guy for like more than a year, folks, if I'm being honest. How good I am. But he is like a very sincere and caring, genuine person. And uh, I make fun of him because I love him. And uh, I feel the same way. Yeah. Be kind to each other. Be open to uh, new people in your life, despite how old you may feel you are. And uh, just treat each other good, cause you'll you you need people in your life like that. And I really enjoy doing this show every week. So there's a little sincere moment to oh close man, out I'm the show. I was gonna beg for subscribers. Yeah, you can do that too. No, I don't know. That's kind of a nice note. <laughs> Listen, just just go rate and subscribe. But, l- but beyond just being kind to each other. There are, listen, I need you there's to... There's like three things that you could do as well. Maybe well, four. Well, you could rate and review the show on iTunes. Yeah. But beyond if, that. And I'm begging you to do it. You you could also. Well, I mean, you could go so far as to be hot. I mean, it's the summertime. It's hard to avoid that. That's true. But something that's a little harder to achieve, I suppose, would be being spicy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's no question about that. But hardest of all... No matter what you do, I feel like you really, above all, want to taste great. Well, that's because... Your, your Curry Man!